Hey guys, it's Dave DeFord telling you there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. That's insane. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using the promo code RAINBOW, then enter DraftKings' free football survival pool. It really is that easy to claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a $1 million cash prize. While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings' free football survival pool will receive an instant bonus of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all of the great odds boosts and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every single day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code RAINBOW to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code RAINBOW to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. The Rainbow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, joined as I am every single week by Kendra Andrews. Kendra, nothing big happening with the Nuggets right now. No. Nothing not at all. At all. <laughs> I don't know how they ways. did it. I don't know how they did it, but it's now tied up. We, we just saw them win game six because Jamal Murray has hit another level. This is just an incredible run that he's on for the series. He's averaging 34 points a game. And that still doesn't tell the story of what he's been doing. No, I mean, Jamal Murray, he's becoming the the point guard, the player that the Nuggets needed him to be in this moment. He's becoming the max contract player that they signed him to last summer. And it's taken a little bit for him to get here. But I mean, he's... I, I don't know if I don't know if he can be considered the number two on this team anymore. Recently, he has been it has been his team, and Nikola Jokic has been the number two. Jamal Murray is the reason why the Nuggets forced a game six, and he is the reason why they forced a game seven. He is. I'm not going to say he's put the team on his back because other players have definitely been contributing, but he's taken the brunt of the load, and he's been phenomenal. Well, you may not say it. But <laughs> you I can go ahead. I mean, listen, there's no other way to, to put this, I think. I, I appreciate you trying to be kind and <laughs> give credit to the rest of his team. But, you know, listen, 50 points in a game four loss, it was he was the only reason they were in that game. 42 in a game five win. 50 in a game six. I mean, these are, these are the last two games, just insane performances with their backs to the wall. And and Jamal Murray, for all of the guff I've given him about inconsistency in performance, results, I can never give him any kind of static about how hard he plays. He's got more heart than anybody else on this team. 
and, and he he kept them in games even when he wasn't scoring well. He's out there trying hard, and and now we're seeing the fruits of all of that. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote that you know after game five, I think that he is the heartbeat of this team. And following game six, you saw the emotion that he plays with and what he uses, how he fuels his performance with his emotions. I mean, after the game, he could barely speak. At first, it just seemed like he was out of breath, but you could just see the, the all of his feelings were were out there. And he's not a guy who tends to show his emotions. He's very stoic and doesn't really like people to know exactly how he's feeling, but he couldn't contain that. And, and seeing him translate, you know, whatever pain he's feeling, whatever frustration or anger he's feeling about what is happening right now in the country, which he's not even from the U S he's Canadian. So seeing what's happening in the world and then being able to translate that into a 50 point performance, that's, I mean, that's what you want from your, your best player. That's what superstars do. Superstars deliver when they need to. And that's what he's been doing. And Dave, you're not the only one who's been kind of walking back on some of some of the things that you may have thought about his consistency or whether he deserved to sign that max contract. A lot of people today following game six have been saying that I take it back. They're asking for forgiveness. <laughs> well, I'm not taking all of it back. I mean, no. I, you know, but I, we need to see a, yeah, we need to see a little bit more of it. But I do just want to point out, I mean, this is a, a playoff run that Nobody's ever had before. I mean, he's doing things that are just unprecedented. 63% from three in the last three games on about 12 attempts a game is is nuts. That's Steph Curry mm-hmm. plus, you know, uh, 50, 42 the, the game before. Him and Michael Jordan are the only guys doing stuff like this. You know, mm-hmm. um, he and Donovan Mitchell have become the first two players uh, to score 50 points twice in a single series, and they're doing it in the same series. That that matchup, that duel has been incredible to watch. But I I would argue that I would rather have Jamal Murray right now with the way that he's been rolling the last two games because, I mean, they're winning. And it's right. he's doing it without busting up their offense the way that Mitchell kind of did in their last game, I think. Yeah, I, I think the last game, the... The Jazz's offense was very stagnant. When Mitchell wasn't shooting things, they kind of broke down, you know. And I think, I mean, we don't have to get too deep into their offense, but I think once they got rid of ball movement and they stopped sharing the ball, that's when everything kind of broke down when they were playing one-man ball. It just didn't work for them. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, what like, there's – there's I can't – I'm out of <laughs> – I'm also out of things to say about Jamal Murray because he's just – the way that he has destroyed Utah's pick and roll mm-hmm. defense. I mean, he's splitting their traps like they're they're trying to trap him with paper. It, it really looks like their defense is completely non-effective. He has completely figured it out. I mean, I if you remember game two, so Jamal Murray went off in game one. I think he had thirty something points that game. Game two, they they the Jazz switched up and put Royce O'Neal on Jamal Murray. And, effectively took him out of that game. I believe he only had 14 points in game two. But now, like you said, as he's figured out how to break down that defense, he's made the adjustments to take advantage of whatever, you know, he they throw at him. And there is there's no stopping him now. So I, I want to talk about his partner in crime here. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who really is the leader for this team is Nikola Jokic. I mean, he's the best player on the team. 
regardless of what Jamal Murray has done in this small sample, Nikola Jokic is the engine for this team. Um, Jamal might be the fuel, but Jokic is the engine. And when you look at the last two wins, he has been able to return to more of his playing style. You know, he, he only took 15 attempts in the last game, right in line with his league, with his average for the regular season. He needs Jamal Murray to be this version of Jamal Murray so that Jokic can be the facilitator that he is for this team. Absolutely. I mean, I think obviously Jokic has the capability to take over a game. We've seen that so many times before, but I completely agree with you that he is at his best when he can add 20 to 25 points as he did last night while also dishing out 10 assists, which he also did last night, get other people involved. Because if you have Nikola Jokic putting in a solid 25 points plus passing out assists, and you have Jamal Murray being able to, to shoot, which is his best game. He's Jamal Murray is not a like your typical facilitating point guard. Like that's just not his game. So when you allow Nikola Jokic to fill that facilitating role and allow Jamal Murray to fill the shooting high volume scoring role, this team will be that that'll take this team to the next level. And then of course you start adding in the other pieces like Jeremy Grant, you had in Michael Porter Jr. Of course. But if that, if that, if their best two players in Murray and Jokic, that tandem can both play at their best with Nicola assist or assisting and Murray scoring this team could outdo people's thoughts of what they could accomplish. Yeah, the defense is still going to be an issue for mm-hmm. them, but but I'm with you. Jokic is their point guard, right? Yes. I, I understand that he's a seven-footer and that, that we have these expectations of what a seven-foot guy is and that Murray is the shortest guy on the court a lot, and so he's got to be the point guard, the nominal point guard. Jamal Murray is at his best as this secondary guy as he's been playing, but primary scorer. And Jokic doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to give the ball up, and he wants to score as a release valve. We saw a, a few of the the threes he hit last night were because Murray got to the basket, was met by the defense, and Jokic was wide open behind mm-hmm. the three-point line. And I think that that's an ideal setup for him because of the, the, the space he's able to create, not just with his three-point shooting, but because he can throw passes that are really two passes away. His skip passes are just unheralded. It's very on the level of like LeBron James, the way that he sees the court and can find guys in the opposite corner in particular. And Murray scoring the way he is and really attracting all the defense, which makes that 50 points even more insane. (laughs) Um, But that works directly in Jokic's favor because it allows him to be a little bit less aggressive. We we saw in this series, Mm -hmm. he's not at his best when he's up there Jacking up shots. I mean, he had a, a 6 of 13. He had a 12 of 24, 10 of 21. Those were not really great performances from him. And you could tell he was out of his comfort zone a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think even just having a guy, when they put Monte Morris in the starting lineup as the, sec, I guess, secondary to Jokic, but in terms of the guards, the primary ball the handler. point guard. Exactly. Yeah. And that I think is, I mean, of course, Murray was playing great before that, but that's when I think you really started to see him just take over is when he didn't have any pressure to handle the ball 
or facilitate or set up plays. He could get to his spots while Jokic and Morris set, set up the court and then found him. And yeah, I mean, Nikola Jokic is, he's like the triple threat big guy. He can shoot three pointers, he can pass and he can finish inside too. So I mean, if you get him where he's comfortable, Nikola Jokic isn't the guy who can force his game. I mean, I don't know if there's any exactly. guy who can force his game, but he, he even more so, he does not do well when he has to force things. When he's the one, it's like, okay, this is on you. He doesn't really do I well think, in that situation, but Murray thrives in that. He like seeks right. those situations out. Like he wants it. And I'm sure Nikola would be like, there, take it, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Jokic for sure would love to not shoot the ball until like the third quarter. Like that's just this. Oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to throw a bunch of passes. Cool. I'm in folks. Live sports are back. It's very possible. We may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, there are no snags. They just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is a perfect addition to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools. It includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Take care of those. Gentlemen, take care of your nails. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new improved lawnmower, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, which I have been singing the praises of since I got them, and a travel bag for you to use when we're all done quarantining and can travel again. Don't forget about the Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. It is a game changer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Kendra, let's pause for a moment to hear from one of our sponsors. Tory Craig, I thought defensively was great. Yeah. Coming off the bench. Um but Gary Harris finally played. And what do you know? Denver's defense looked a lot better. I, I've got a stat from uh, from my buddy Matt Moore at HP Basketball. And this is a wild stat. When Gary Harris was in the game, that was the 20 minutes he played, the Jazz had an 88 offensive rating. They had a 115.1 offensive rating for the game. So clearly... This is a different defense when Gary Harris is on the court. What do you know? Having a guy that can fight over a screen and guard somebody makes a big difference for the Nuggets. That's incredible. I mean, this is why they wanted Gary Harris. Maybe me, but no one wanted him for his offense. They did not care that he only scored four points. Right. They didn't expect him to score more than four points, I don't think. They wanted him because of his defense. That is the only reason they really wanted him back in that stat that you just read is exactly why Gary Harris is their best perimeter defensive player. The Nuggets have been struggling to contain Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and Jordan Clarkson, particularly Jordan Clarkson as outside of Donovan Mitchell. 
he did really, really well on limiting Jordan Clarkson. I think, you know, you saw that Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig also helped out with defense and they spent a good amount of time on Donovan Mitchell and they have been doing that. And so I think, you know, Malone wanted to a little bit stay with a bit of what he had going because it seemed, I mean, Mitchell's been going off too, so I can't say it's yeah, completely right. successful, but it's, it's, that's, that's going to happen. But I mean, Gary Harris, I said this the other day to you, limited Donovan Mitchell to, I think, just four points way back in like November. And then the next game they played, he limited him to 18 points. Gary Harris knows what to do on these guys. He's also stopped Luka Doncic. He stopped Devin Booker. He is their best perimeter defender. And when you're in a must win situation, you need defense. Like that is what you need. The the beginning of the game last, the last, the last night's game, game six, the first like several minutes, there was absolutely no defense and everyone was just chucking up shots. And it's like, okay, this is going to be like 150 point game each or something (laughs) like that. And then as soon as you started the defense, that's when everything changed. And that's when the momentum started to shift to Denver's favor. And it was when Gary Harris got on the floor and started to contain Jordan Clarkson, who's been, you know, the backup big scorer. So, I mean, he, he got, I don't know if he's fully healthy or not, but he got good enough health to play at the right time. Well, more so than, than the job he did on the perimeter, it was that he took the pressure off the Nuggets rim protection defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, they held the jazz to 28 points in the paint. Rudy Gobert was a non-factor offensively. And, and, I mean, he had 11 points and 11 rebounds. 42 minutes from Gobert, but was really a non-factor completely at the at the rim. And uh, having that guy out on the perimeter that can keep Utah from getting downhill and attacking Jokic when he's at the basket mm-hmm. is exactly what this team has needed. And, and, again, I think Torrey Craig also was very good defensively coming off the bench for, for them in this game. I'm worried about them in a game seven because I think that Utah could do a better job of targeting Paul Millsap, who is yeah. not looking great. No. Um, but but it's nice to know that you've got at least, you know, two bodies coming off the bench that are solid defenders. Uh, you know, Michael Porter, you know, you're not going to get much out of him defensively. So now having those two, uh, I think, is a huge deal for them as we look ahead into game seven. Yeah. I also think it Speaking. added a little, sorry, I think it just also no, added them a little bit of a an ener- energizer and boost factor. Mm-hmm. I think when you have one of your key players coming back after not playing for five months, yeah, gets people. Well, and, and it changes the game plan for the Jazz, too. Yeah. So now they'll have to adjust, Yeah. Uh, which, which, you know, we'll find out in Game 7. And speaking of Game 7, this is the part that, uh, you know, I always hate because I feel like I almost always get this wrong. <laughs> It is a toss-up. I think this is as close to a toss-up Game 7 as we're going to have this season. Um, I got to ask, are the Nuggets going to pull it off? Are they going to come back from 3-1 down? I'd say yes. I think that I'm not going to put the, you know, Charles Barkley guarantee (laughs) on it. But – if momentum has anything to do with right. which way games go. If it exists. If it exists, 
it's screaming Denver Nuggets. And I think even taking away momentum, if that's not actually a thing. I mean, last game, the Nuggets outperformed the Jazz in every, nearly every category. It wasn't, it wasn't, I don't want to say like a fluke win, but, it, but they, 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 their defense was very much improved and they prevented the, the Jazz from scoring and their offense was really, really good. So I think if they, they can do the same thing and maybe even start a little bit earlier, cause as I mentioned, the first five minutes, there's like no defense. So if you start from the get and do what they did last game, it's looking good for the Nuggets. However, I'm not going to say that the Jazz are just going to, like, we know that they're not going to roll over. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were so upset after game six. They, Donovan Mitchell literally said that was a winnable game. That is why I'm mm-hmm. so mad. Rudy Gobert was kicking the chairs and all that stuff. So I'm, I don't expect them to come in and play badly. So it's it's a it was, toss-up, but I'm leaning. It was a two-point game with five yeah. minutes to go in the third quarter. You yeah. know, I mean, it was it was as close to a toss-up game as you can get. Yeah. And the Nuggets just took it up a notch. Yeah. And look, it, if it requires Jamal Murray to score 50 points, would I put money on it that he's going to score 50? Because I think that's what it's going to take, Yeah. to be honest with you. I, I agree uh, with that. I think that's a yeah. fair statement. But I'm ready to put money on it. I think... <laughs> I think Jamal's I think we got another 50 point game and I, I think the Nuggets are going to pull this out. You know, I'm not necessarily a believer in momentum, but I do think that there are some truths you can find from momentum. Mm-hmm. Meaning, why why have the Nuggets been able to establish momentum? Well, there are schematic things on the court. There's there's stuff that's happening that is triggering the momentum. Now, a lot of it is that the shot making has just been insane. Not only in this game, but in the bubble. These guys are locked in. And, and I mean both teams. So I just trust the Nuggets to be able to, to pour it on a little bit more and more consistently. The issue is, can they get enough stops? Well, if Gary Harris is is healthy and he looked pretty good, mm-hmm. if Torrey Craig is going to be able to now not to have to defend Donovan Mitchell, but be able to take Joe Ingles, all of a sudden, the Nuggets are cooking. They're starting to look more like that, that regular season team that was the three seed that looked like it maybe could could make a run to the conference finals. And if it got lucky, could make the finals. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to do that because I think they're clearly a lesser team than they were all year. But they're a better team than they showed when they went yeah. three to three one down in this series. So I'm taking the I'm taking the Nuggets. I think they're going to win by 15. I think Jamal Murray is going to score 50. Oh. I think Jokic is not even going to score 20 points. I think Jokic is going to How have he's going to have, have he's going to have an 18 14 assist 14 rebound game and I think yes. that they're going to go and uh probably lose to the Clippers in 5 but <laughs> still I do think that they're going to win this game. I, I think yeah. it's going to be the Nuggets are finally looking like they're figuring out what they are right now, not what they were during the regular season. And this is Jamal Murray's team. Another 50-point game. Oh, man. I wish I could write it. You get get to write about it. I know. I have to say, I have to say, I think it was during the preseason, I was asked what make a prediction of the year for the season. I got my date wrong, but I did predict that Jamal Murray would set a new career high with 50 points. And, of course, he's gone past 50. But I just want to say that I I saw it coming (laughs) back in September. I did predict it would happen against the Celtics. 
but it happened yeah. regardless. <laughs> well, now if it happens against the Celtics, uh, we got another we got another prediction that we uh, we might have missed out on. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, look, with Jamal, it's never been about the ceiling. It's always been about the floor. And so, you know, we, we're seeing the ceiling right now. Let's say he doesn't have that game. Let's say he doesn't have 50. Can he give you a better floor than we've seen out of him so far? That is That would be my big question for this mm-hmm. game, is that what happens when Jamal doesn't give you the 50-point game, that, that thing that makes him look like he's going to be the best point guard in the league next year, if he doesn't do that, can he give you the 22, 7, and 6 rebounds? You know, Can he do that? Because that helps them just as mm-hmm. much. It's going to get other guys involved. But uh, for this game, I don't think there's any way Jamal Murray doesn't show up. All he's done in his career is show up in big moments. Yep. He did it last year. He's doing it so far this year. I don't expect it to stop. Nuggets in seven. There we go. I'm ready. That's going to do it for this week. We're actually going to be back after game seven, no matter which way it goes. We're either going to be talking about what went wrong or looking ahead to the Clippers. Uh, I'm expecting to look ahead to the Clippers. For Kendra Andrews, I'm Dave DeFore. Thanks for listening to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast.